Bibles, if you will, to the book of Matthew chapter 5. We'll look there in just a few minutes. And I want to uh, encourage you, we'll also look at uh, several passages of Scripture uh, over in the book of Luke and also uh, the book of Matthew. This particular beatitude, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. And as I thought about this and looked through some things dealing with uh, this topic, it seems the more and more we, I look at these beatitudes that um, it's a challenge because it demands action. And sometimes that action is not the easiest to do. And we'll find that as we look at the idea of being merciful tonight. One of the things that this beatitude will remind us of is something that plagues us. It plagues humankind often. And that's the idea of selfishness. Self-centeredness, you know, is a major part of our culture. How many times have you come across a person whose world begins and ends with their own concern only for them? These are the people who speak fluently when the conversation gets around the things that they're going through in their lives, projects that they're involved in, plans that they have on their minds. And the reality is, to some extent, We all have tendencies like these, don't we? We might be surprised if we were to take out a portion of our day and record part of our conversation. We might be surprised to notice the number of times we use personal possessive pronouns like I, me, or my. And the longer that this attitude is nurtured, are tolerated in our lives, the less sincere we become about others that are in need. And so, when we think about being merciful, it's a challenge for us. And it's something that in our self-centered world, we need to be reminded of. But isn't that exactly what mercy is? It's getting out of the confines of our own selfish interests and moving into the larger context of caring for others and attempting to understand and meet their needs. And so I want us to look at several examples found throughout Scripture. Turn your Bibles to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 12. A very familiar passage for us. Beginning in Luke chapter 12 and verse 16. Then He spoke a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying... Now, as we look through this, I also want you to take notice of those personal possessive pronouns that this individual uses in this story. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do, since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And I will store up, store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose things, whose will those things be which you have provided? So it is... So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. I believe I counted about 11 or so times 
that this individual in this story uses those personal possessive pronouns. Would you say that he was centered on himself? Would you say that all he was thinking about is things in his life, his plans, his concerns, his projects? Not once in that story did he think about God. Not once in that story did he think about others. Someone has said, the merciful treatment of others depends on our own desires in that matter. But the Lord clearly says that only those who show mercy can receive divine mercy. Thus it becomes imperative that we learn about this trait and find ways to manifest it in our lives. And that's our goal tonight. You see, in Rome, in the Roman world, they did not admire mercy. They did admire justice and courage and self-control and wisdom, but, they, but not mercy. The philosophers called mercy this, a disease of the soul. Something to be abhorred and ashamed of if you expect it to be a success. But Jesus in the Gospel, they began to change that in that world. Jesus taught mercy. Jesus practiced mercy. And He commanded His followers to also show mercy. And in a self-centered world, don't you think that makes a difference? Our world today is not too far from that Roman world of self-centeredness in which Jesus taught these Beatitudes. In fact... There are places today in our world, in our nation, that people are still treated like things. Power is supreme and success is the most important thing in life. There is need for mercy to be shown in our world. The definition of mercy someone has given is compassion or forbearance shown toward an offender or subject. The Lord showers His divine mercy on us and on all who would turn away from their sin and submit themselves to His will. But I want us to notice some things that Paul wrote about mercy. In Ephesians chapter 2, hear what he says. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4, But God who is rich in mercy, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Also in um, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 16, Paul said, or, or the Hebrew writer said, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace and help in time of need. You see, God's Word commands those who have learned and have experienced the mercy of God to show similar mercy to those around us. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. But what is mercy? I know we've given a definition. But what does it mean? How do we practice that? How do we show that? The word mercy is translated... To feel sympathy with the misery of another, and especially sympathy manifested in act. So then mercy is more than just feeling sorry for someone. It's more than just uh, having a sympathetic feeling towards someone. According to that translation, mercy is taking action. Taking action. 
It's not, well, I just feel for them. We say that often, but it's more than that. It's deeper. It's doing something positive to express and to show concern and sympathy for others. And the Bible gives us several examples. Turn back to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And you remember the the story beginning in about verse 25 of the Good Samaritan. You remember that story? The Bible says, Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 25, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading? He said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said, You have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he said, Who's my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed him, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan... As he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave it to the innkeeper, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever money you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said... He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. You see, the Bible says that this Samaritan, which by the way, uh, would have been hard for a Jew to to comprehend because Jews and Samaritans did not like each other. Uh, But the priest and the Levite, they both walked by the side. But the good Samaritan, the Bible says he had compassion. He felt sympathetic for him. He, he had concern for uh, this person who had been beaten and laid by to die. But that's not all. He didn't stop there. How much value would it have been to the wounded man if the compassion of this Samaritan is all that he received? If he just heard about this compassion, if, if the Samaritan had said, boy, I, I feel sorry for you, would that have been mercy? No, and it would have been no value to him. It was in the work of the action, the binding of his wounds, the carrying him to the end, the arranging for his care. This is how he showed mercy. He not only had compassion, but he acted compassionately. To that individual. What about Luke chapter 17? Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. You'll remember this parable of the lepers. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then he entered a certain village. There he met ten men who were lepers, who stood afar off. And notice their request. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And you remember, one of them stopped and realized what had happened, and he returned to glorify God and to say thanks. And Jesus said, were there not ten? Where are the nine? 
And Jesus said, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. But their request was, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now what exactly did those lepers want when they asked the Son of God to have mercy on them? Did they want His sympathy? Did they only want a few kind words? No, that's not what they wanted. They wanted action. They wanted healing of their diseased bodies by the miraculous power of Jesus. When they asked for mercy, that's what they were asking for. Not not sympathetic words, but action. I think about in Luke chapter 18... You remember that story of the tax collector and the Pharisee? Both went up to the temple to pray. The Pharisee, he stood and he said, Oh God, I'm so thankful I'm not like all these other people. I'm so thankful I'm not like this old tax collector over here. I do this, 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 and this. And he's praising and saying this out loud. But the tax collector, the Bible says, he would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat on his chest. And he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He was asking for more than just tender feelings of pity. He was asking for something to be done about his sins. He was asking for forgiveness that can only come from God. That's what he was asking for when he asked for mercy. He was asking for action. So mercy is more or is not mere idle, sentiment or vain words someone has said. It is taking positive action to help someone who's in trouble. It means more than just feeling sorry for someone and someone else's needs. Being merciful means trying to do something about it. It means we do do more than ask God, send someone to help them. Send someone to teach them. It means that we try to do something about it. It means we go next door. It means we go into the community. It means we go into different neighborhoods and teach and share mercy with those who need. It means we go teach the good news. It means we extend mercy to those who need mercy. But likely, you figured out the greatest example of mercy being shown that we find in Scripture or anywhere in history, is that of Jesus. And this is exactly what Jesus did in His life. You know, it would have been simple for Him to answer His enemies with deeds of judgment, but instead He gave words of grace and mercy. You remember, as we look through the end of the Gospels, the intensity of His enemies, and we looked at some of that today, this morning. As it got closer to Calvary, the intensity rose. Yet, the mercy of Jesus matched the intensity of their hatred. What a powerful example. There may be people in our lives today causing difficulty. And that's not easy. So what do we do? Pray to God for strength. Pray to God for mercy. That we will be able to show mercy to those who create difficulty in our life. That's what Jesus did, isn't it? And what an example, what a challenge 
to follow. Remember that those showing mercy, Jesus did not avoid reminding His enemies of their sin. Matthew 23, we see Jesus, He did just that and He didn't sweep their sin under the rug. He knew the truth of sinners. He exposed their, the, their sin and yet He still showed mercy to them. But think about this. That's a great example. But what about the example? The very fact that Jesus came from heaven to earth to reveal who God really is. To act like God on earth. So that through His death, burial, and resurrection and our obedience to that, we might have a relationship with God. What an example of mercy. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Remember, before you can sympathize with another person to the degree that of being a real help and a comfort to them, we really have to, in a sense, we've heard the phrase, walk in their shoes, get into their shoes, before we can be truly sympathetic toward someone who's hungry. We, we really have to have experienced the, intense, the intensity of being hungry and, and not knowing where that next meal is coming from. To really be able to sympathize and understand what it's like uh, for someone not to have anywhere to go for that day or night and be left out into the cold. We have to have experienced that in a sense walked in their shoes. Wouldn't we? And in the same way, to be able to be truly sympathetic toward a lost sinner, we must first have experienced the intense pain and agony over our own sins prior to our salvation. What did Jesus say? Blessed are the merciful. What does that mean? Showing actions of mercy. Showing compassion. Showing love. For they shall obtain mercy. You see, this makes it so much more important. When we talk about sharing the gospel with people, this raises the bar on that in my opinion. It's not just, hey, we need to add to the church. We need to raise our numbers so that we can have more and we can have more money and we can do more. You see, it goes way beyond all that. It's about being sympathetic to them because we too have received mercy through Jesus Christ. And we too want them to receive that same mercy. Makes a difference, doesn't it? So here we are, Sunday evening after Thanksgiving. We've had several days of enjoying those kind of things. Tomorrow, for for many, it's get back to the grind, right? So how are we going to look at lost sinners now? 
Will it be just to add someone else to the church? Or will we really be sympathetic with them? Because we remember where we were. We remember what it was like to live in sin and to be lost eternally. And therefore, we want to share Jesus with them so much because we actually care. And that is the motivation to share Jesus. When Jesus came as the Son of Man, in a sense, He was getting into our shoes. He was putting Himself in position to sympathize with our weaknesses in the fullest manner possible. You remember Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15? For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, Matthew chapter 4, tempted as we are, yet without sin. John chapter 1, the Bible tells us Jesus came and He dwelt among us. He dwelt as flesh. Jesus knows what it's like to be human. And He took on our sins so that we might be shown mercy through Him. It's the greatest example of mercy that's ever been shown. And then one final parable found in Matthew chapter 18. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 18 beginning in verse 21. Do you remember this parable? The parable of the unforgiving servant. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. In some sense, he may be, he's kind of asking for mercy. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion. He's moved with compassion for the individual. And he released him and forgave him the debt. So not only was he moved with compassion, but he extended that compassion. He showed that compassion. He acted with that compassion for this individual. That's mercy. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him, took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. And the, the, the difference in what this individual owed and the guy he's going after was astronomical. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Have mercy on me. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison until he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw that he had, what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that, he had, all that had been done. 
Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have, have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly Father also will do to each of you from his heart who does not forgive his brother his trespasses. Wow. You see, by virtue... Isaiah 59 verses 1 and 2 tells us we are debtors to God because of sin. That debt was so great that the payment was impossible except Jesus Christ paid that debt for our sins to allow us to be forgiven. But what should be the attitude of a forgiven sinner toward those who may offend or sin against them? Peter thought seven times was sufficient, right? But what did Jesus say? I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. You keep on forgiving, He says. One who has received mercy must show mercy. And that's exactly what Christ did for us. But how do we do this? A couple of examples. First of all, we need to be willing to forgive others. That's showing mercy. Remember, Peter asked the Lord, how many times? And Jesus said, up to 70 times 7. Also remember in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus said in there in the Sermon on the Mount, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you. If you do not show mercy, you will not obtain mercy. If you do not show forgiveness, then we cannot obtain Forgiveness. So we need to be willing to forgive others. That's not always easy. Now how do we do that? Pray for them. Pray for them and pray for others who are in need. Pray for others who are lost. That we might be willing to show mercy on them. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, I therefore... Therefore I exhort, first of all, that all supplications and prayers and intercessions given of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. If we have true compassion and sympathy, we will make intercession for others with the Father in heaven. Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, those who not only feel mercy, but they show it. And what's the blessing? They too shall obtain mercy. Boy, I want divine mercy. Do you? That requires me to show mercy to others. Forgiveness and prayer. I came across this illustration years after the death of President Calvin Coolidge, this story came to light. In the early days of his presidency, Coolidge awoke one morning in his hotel room to find a burglar going through his stuff. And so when he woke up, he asked, he spoke up and he asked the burglar not to take his watch chain because it contained an engraved charm that he wanted to keep. 
Coolidge then engaged with the thief in a quiet conversation and discovered he was a college student who was trying to get back to school and he did not have any money. And so Coolidge counted out $32 from his wallet, which he had asked the burglar to pay back, to give back. And he declared it to be a loan and advised the young man to leave the way he had came in or leave not different, the way he had came in to avoid the Secret Service. And you know what? That young man paid back that $32 because Coolidge showed mercy. There was a mother who once approached Napoleon seeking a pardon for his son. The emperor replied that the young man had committed a certain offense twice and justice demanded death. But I don't ask for justice, the mother explained. I plead for mercy. But your son does not deserve mercy, Napoleon replied. Sir, the woman cried, it would not be mercy if he deserved it, and mercy is all I ask for. Well then, the emperor said, I will have mercy. And he spared the woman's son. You see, it's more than just feeling sorry or sympathetic for someone. It's showing that feeling. It's showing that in action. It's doing for that person. So if you know someone in need, will you have mercy on them? Jesus said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Do you know someone who is lost in sin? They need to understand. They need to hear of the mercy that you and I enjoy. Will you show them mercy? And share that great, the greatest example of mercy with them. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Tonight, if you have a need to rededicate your life, to give your life to Jesus, we ask that you will do that. And maybe you have a need to respond and ask for the prayers of the church. or ask us to pray with you and pray for you. We stand ready to do that. Any way we can assist you tonight, we ask that you will come forward as together we stand and sing.